This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Lots to get to today. Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer, will join me in a little bit. Start of NBA free agency was Monday at 5 p.m. Not much cooking for the Wolves quite yet. They weren't part of the uh, the frenzy of, you know, kind of small, mid-level, a few big ones that went off the board Monday night, but uh, still plenty of time for a lot of action there. And Chris and I will break down the possibilities, what's already happened, who's still out there, things like that. Get to a trade rumor, also a trade possibility, at least, a Ben Simmons idea that I saw that piqued my curiosity, and a a Twins injury that's starting to worry me a little bit. But first, what did I miss? The story. Day two, really day four, I guess, but day two on this podcast of the Vikings quarterbacks being out. Point of clarification right off the bat, when Patrick Royce and I talked about this story On Monday, the reporting at the time was suggesting that Kellen Mond, the player, the quarterback for the Vikings that was uh, reported to have COVID, um, it was suggested, it was reported at the time that he was vaccinated. That is no longer the case. We are not reporting that right now. Um, You know, his status remains uncertain, I guess, at this point is the best way to put it. And, um, you know, sources indicating that the protocols he's been under would suggest that he is actually not vaccinated. So we'll see where that goes. Ultimately, doesn't matter a whole lot. He's not supposed to be the starter this year. The guy who really matters is Kirk Cousins, and he's been missing. He hasn't been playing right now because, um, you know, he's, he's not in camp right now because he was a close contact of, you know, presumably Kellen Mond, who has reported that, like I said, that had covid And the most interesting thing, I think, from Monday um, was Mike Zimmer essentially doubling down on his comments uh, about his disappointment with his quarterbacks not getting vaccinated, his frustration over what might happen in the future. want to play a clip right now because we didn't play any Mike Zimmer clips the other day. Let's play a clip right now of Mike Zimmer talking about his disappointment and his frustration level with the lack of vaccination. You know, going through all the things that you had to do last year, masks and you know, protocol and travel, and you can't leave for a day, you can't go out, see your family, you know, all the things. Um, you can't go to dinner when you're on the road. you got to wear masks on a plane, all that stuff that, uh, you know, was just difficult. And uh, I just don't understand. I just don't understand that, you know, I think we could put this thing to bed if, We'd, we'd all do this, but you know, it is what it is. Doesn't get much clearer than that. He is mad. He is worried about a season that's pretty important to him, to the Vikings. They've totally rebuilt this defense. Um, the defense looks like it's going to be a a real, you know, kind of a, a positive for this team after being a negative in 2020. The offense, though, all sorts of things not going right right now. Um, you know, you, you start with the offensive line, which is kind of patchwork at this point between injuries, ineffectiveness, and now you got the issue with COVID hitting the quarterback room and stopping them from getting much development time at least this week. And again, this could be a short-term problem. Maybe it doesn't come up the rest of the season, but that's not the point. The point is there would be a simple way to take care of this, as Mike Zimmer said. Get everybody vaccinated. Get everybody on the same page. Stop reading the junk science or whatever else they're reading out there and get vaccinated. And, you know, he's frustrated and he's mad, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him one bit. 
because it, it, a it's just it's just it's just bad it's bad humanity first of all and second of all it's being a bad teammate and I think that's how he's trying to frame it right now never would have thought of Mike Zimmer as a leading advocate for vaccines um, but I guess we'll take it where we can get it I think he's coming at it from a place of science and a place of practicality and I think he's worried about the impact it could have on this season I don't blame him one bit for that I'm Chris Hine Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history thank you for listening to this podcast this work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers for unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Chris Hine back on Daily Delivery. Chris covers the Timberwolves, of course, for the Star Tribune. Was busy um, a few nights ago when the Wolves traded Ricky Rubio for Torian Prince. Second round picks, some cash, some cap space. Free agency started Monday. Chris was still busy because you got to sit and wait and see what happens, but not much happening so far, at least um, from a Wolves perspective. Chris, give me the uh, the rundown of, you know, free agency opened at 5 p.m. and then we're just kind of in wait and see mode, it seems like. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's gonna, it might take some time for some of these you know, larger uh, deals to happen. And we all know that Gerson Roses wants to think big and, and swing big when it comes to who he's going to acquire and is not afraid to swing for big trades, obviously. And, you know, you look around the league and, and some of those targets, um, you know, Ben Simmons, John Collins, and, you know, uh, also Laurie Markkinen from Chicago, um, potential targets of his have not come off the board yet. So, you know, you, you look at that and, and you think about where the Wolves' needs are, where Roses has said their needs are, and some of the players that are still out there, and you figure that they're, you know, at least seeing what's going on with those guys before pulling the trigger on anything that might handicap them from getting a, a bigger name, a bigger name player like that. Now, for those who don't remember, they don't have a ton of financial space to you know, work with here, right? They, they've basically got their $10 million or so underneath the luxury tax threshold. And, you know, beyond that, it's, it's kind of, uh, they're kind of in the mode where it's more of a sign and trade or a, a trade straight up trade, right? Yeah. In terms of straight up free agent signings, I mean, they're only, you know, 10 ish after the trade the other day, 10 ish million in cap space, give or take. And if they sign Bulmaro, uh, you know, their first round pick from a year ago, you're looking at eight ish million in cap space after that. So yeah, any, any bigger deal is going to be a, a sign and trade. We've seen some of these kind of smaller targets, maybe lower level deals for forwards. Uh, some of those players came off the board tonight. Guys like uh, Jermichael Green, Zach Collins, Tory Craig, players like that. Um, that maybe they could have had some interest in to bolster the front court. Um, they all signed deals tonight, so they're, you know, they've moved on to other teams. Um, which, you know, makes you think that maybe they are just waiting to see what happens with some of these bigger names. If they don't get them, uh, you know, they still have to resign, potentially resign Jared Vanderbilt, a restricted free agent, and as well as Jordan McLaughlin, um, their own restricted free agents. So, 
you know, I, I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see. Restricted free agency, which which is what John Collins is, is always kind of a, a weird process. It's a right. frustrating, sometimes tricky process that could take days to play out at times. Yeah, I, I remember covering Tyus Jones's restricted free agency a few years ago. I think that took like a week before there was a a resolution to, to all of that. So it, it it could be it could just take a it could just take a little while sometimes, and you know. It, but the thing that, that Gerson Roses has made no bones about and everybody around the league is very cognizant of the fact that he wants to make a big swing and just how much of a big swing can he make? Does he want to make, uh, especially with new ownership coming in? I think he wants to always acquire big name players. And, and right now, some of the bigger names, especially at the forward position, are still on the board. And that's interesting. Um, we'll get to that in a minute and just like what, you know, what they might still be able to do this off season, whether we're talking about, you know, small size moves, medium size moves, and then, you know, a, a big kind of blockbuster before we get there, you and I haven't talked yet about the Rubio trade from draft night and the draft night that was uneventful aside from that trade. Cause they didn't have a pick there. So it's kind of been, they've been a little limited in how they've been able to acquire people lately. What, what was your perception of, that trade did it did it feel about right in terms of what they were able to do with that rubio expiring because prince is still an expiring even if he's a little bit less you think they got value there or did you think that they were going to try to use rubio as kind of more of a, a piece in one of these bigger type swings yeah i guess i'm a little i'm a little surprised they didn't try to use rubio in a bigger in a bigger style deal um you know, especially maybe as it pertains to Atlanta and potentially what they might need to send back to Atlanta in any potential trade. Um, so I, I was a little surprised by that, but also it, you know, it does, it did create about 4.8 million in cap room, um, saves them a little money there. It, Prince, uh, you know, it seems like he would bolster the front court. Um, we don't, you know, we don't know, will he get, you know, potentially moved in another deal? You know, if, if it came to that, we don't, you know, Tough to say at this point, but on on face value, seems like you would bolster the front court a little bit, um, and that's kind of where you're at right now. It, are these are these kind of moves, barring a major move, you know, there's not much room for you to really maneuver. You kind of have to operate around the edges if you're not going to be able to connect on a bigger swing. So I guess I was a little surprised that Rubio um wasn't included in another package but they did you know they got another second they got another second round pick i think they have three second round picks now next year um in in the draft um so that is significant for them um and a little salary relief in in the process so it, 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 i think it makes sense on paper the, you know one of the things that i asked gerson roses about you know rubio and, and anthony edwards are obviously very yeah. close and that was one of the reasons why they brought Rubio in here last year was to mentor Edwards. And it basically sounded like in his response, Gerson Rose was like, yep, all right, he did it. We did that for a year. And, you know, now it's time to, now it's time to take the training wheels off a little bit of, of Edwards uh, during that answer, basically saying he's his own man and he'll, he'll figure it out. <laughs> well, you know, as much as it was kind of exciting and interesting to have Rubio back, he was an awkward fit from a roster standpoint, just, you know, when you have D'Angelo Russell already, when you, you know, you have, you know, some viable lower priced options like a Jordan McLaughlin who can 
you know, put, you can, you can be a backup point guard potentially in this league. And now you see Edwards handling the ball more with confidence. It just, it never seemed like the, the right roster fit, even though it was an interesting, you know, Hey, the, the guy who people adored coming home. Um, what, what did you make of Rubio's the, the second going, the second go round of Ricky Rubio, because it was, you know, much different than the, the first one, which you largely weren't here for, but what, what did you make of the, uh, Ricky Rubio's second second stint with the Wolves overall. You know, it's interesting. I, I covered um, the Blackhawks in Chicago for, for a few years, and I felt like every year uh, the Blackhawks always brought, while I was covering them, they always brought back somebody from like earlier in the decade who okay. played well, whether it was like a, a Johnny Oduya or a Patrick Sharp or, or somebody like that. And the second go-arounds rarely ever went as well as the first ones did. And that's kind of how I feel about this one with Ricky Rubio is the second go around. And, and, you know, some of this is because it was a weird year and COVID had a, played a role in it. He said he was, you know, out of shape coming into camp, wasn't able to train like he normally would. Um, and I think as the season went along, he got better. And that's why, you know, you, you see, he still has value around the league. Um, but, you know, it just, you know, it probably didn't really feel like a second homecoming for him just given you know all the restrictions that they were under during the year he couldn't really enjoy minnesota the way he might have wanted to uh you know the first time around and yeah sometimes uh sometimes you can't go home again yeah it's, it's too bad it feels like it was didn't wasn't what anybody would have imagined if you got ricky rubio back and he, he was not good the first half of the year got better like you said and is having mm-hmm. some good run here in international play too in the Olympics. He's been a pretty good player for, for Spain, but you know, overall you can see, you could see the writing on the wall that this was not going to be a long-term reunion, even when they made it, it kind of felt like, yeah, we don't think we're going to be able to use an expiring contract this year. Uh, so they kind of flipped James Johnson for a future down the road expiring and I got a year of mentorship out of Ricky Rubio. So it worked out to a certain degree, but probably time for him to move on as well. And to get the second round pick, I think that's Washington's second round pick is, from Cleveland, yeah. which could be yeah. awfully good. Washington's going to be awfully bad. Yeah. <laughs> they, traded West, they traded Westbrook. Um, I don't know if Bad, Bradley Beal's going to be long for that franchise either. We'll see. Um, yeah. And you, know, you, and you never know with these, you know, ammunition of three second round picks. Uh, you know, teams that might be good towards the back end of the first round might be, you know, looking to move out of the first round for captains. Right. And you never know if you might be able to sneak in there uh, by packaging one or two of those with, you know, so it does give them some ammunition maybe in the draft next year. Absolutely. Well, as free agency continues, what, you know, I'm trying to set <laughs> expectations and kind of imagine like, what, what's the baseline for what they need to accomplish? I know they've already made the one move, the trade that probably helps them a little bit. It gives them a little size and a little bit of shooting with, with Prince, assuming he stays. What, what's the baseline for what they need to accomplish, you know, with, with the money they have and the you know, kind of the, the holes they have and the, the, the direction they want to take this. Yeah. I mean, I think priority number one is, as I've said on here and I've written uh, before is, this team just needs to flat out get better on defense. Like yeah. there's no, there's no future of this team if they don't at least creep up into the middle of the pack defensively. Um, and so that, you know, Prince is, has been a plus defender for, 
for most of his career. Um, so, you know, you hope that maybe he can, he can help with that, but I, I, I just, I, I still look at this roster and I'm like, where is the defense coming from next mm-hmm. year? Um, how much internal improvement can you really expect? Um, and as we've seen, you know, unless you're making a big move for, for, you know, potentially a Ben Simmons or a John Collins, how much, you know, how, how much of what's left out there is really going to, to make you better on that end of the floor. And I don't know, I'm not sure what the answer might be. So that is still my number one concern with this team going forward uh, in terms of turning them into a contender in a year or two here. So I still, you know, don't really see where the defense gets better right now. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's, that's probably what a lot of teams are looking for. And if you're, if you're cap strapped, that's not necessarily something that's going to be easy to acquire cheap um but there you know there are there are ways i'm sure there it seems like they're probably seems like they're not going to spend a lot of time probably in the middle of this market i was going to go next to what what's like a mid-level move they could make and you could see like a you know i think there was you know there's there's been some you know there's probably some fours they could go get some guys that can stretch the floor a little bit that would that would fit the roster but that wouldn't make you say wow they got this guy um you know is that something that you know, if they kind of strike out on a Ben Simmons or, you know, the John Collins, the kind of home run move, I even saw, here's a, here's a weird one for you. I saw, uh, and maybe these are just, you know, sites looking for publicity and they don't really know the, the league that well, but I saw one of these, you know, sites that puts out all these prop bets all the time had Damian Lillard, like as the, th- the third best odds for Damian Lillard trade were Minnesota. I, I was just like, what? Dave, Damian Lillard? What? Why? <laughs> like, how, how is that even possible? How does that happen? I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, this is the first I'm hearing of this particular uh, prop site that you, that you uh, mentioned. Um, I, yeah, I don't know how that would, uh, I, yeah. I would, be, I would be very, very surprised on a number of levels. Yes. That were to happen. Yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, not, not to do that just was something I remembered from earlier today that caught me by uh, complete surprise. And was probably just one of those things where it's like, Hey, you could bet on this and lose your money. Um, but, uh, right. you know, there's, there's that. Maybe but we're just trying to cash in on, you know, desperate Timberwolves fans. Who yeah. Ben, ben Simmons, uh, by the way, was not, uh, they did not give odds on, uh, on Ben Simmons coming here. So hmm. that, that dream was a little bit, uh, a little bit dashed right there. He was not in the top 10 anyway of, of teams, but yeah, if they can't do that, who, you know, are there names that you think of, or are there like teams that you think they were, that they would match up with potentially in terms of, fit or need or, or anything like that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I, I haven't kind of examined the dust settling in terms of teams, cap situations and whatnot around the league. Um, now Paul Millsap remains out there and I think they had some interest in him a, a while back. So you know, he might be a name to watch as well. Um, and yeah, uh, outside of that, I'm, you know, We'll see what will, you know, this front office is not afraid to get creative. We've, we've seen right. team multi-team trades before with this front office. They've been involved in a few over the last few years here. So they're not afraid to get creative when it comes to structures of deals and, and contracts and trades. So, so it's, it's hard to, hard to really predict where they might see a fit or, or where there's not a fit. 
Last thing, Chris Hine. Will, will this be a disappointment, you think, if they're not able to pull off, you know, something at least in the on the larger scale? Because they, they've, I feel like they've kind of, you know, not not like they've promised anything, but they've kind of talked themselves into the point where everybody kind of knows that this is a pretty important year, and they 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 want to trade, they want to deal. If they're not able to get something significant done here, you know, during this free agent trade time. How disappointing do you think that will be? I'm kind of mixed on that. Um, and I, and I think because, you know, and I kind of wrote this in the early version of my story today is, yeah, they didn't make any, they didn't really make any moves tonight, but you know, by definition, that means they didn't make any bad moves. That's true. So and they've know. made bad moves before Chris. <laughs> yeah. They have done that. Yes, they have. So, you know, if you, if you don't, if you don't make a move and you don't hand, uh, kind of undercut or kneecap the potential long-term viability and flexibility you may have, whether it be in terms of draft assets or, or young players on your roster, you know, that's not necessarily the worst thing in a vacuum. Uh, you know, you know what I mean? But yeah. when you have maybe new ownership coming in who might have expectations and demands when you have, you know, a clock ticking on, on a star player like Carl Anthony Towns, when, you know, when he might push the button on, on that, you know, looming trade request that we often talk about, you know, these moves aren't made in a vacuum. So, so that's why I'm mixed on it. You know, if, if you stand pat and nothing's out there for the taking for you and, and you don't give up anything of significance, then again, that's not the worst thing in the world because you maintain you maintain your your ability to make a move when the time is is maybe more in your favor, um, but you know there are external pressures out there that that you know might make that not as feasible an option. I think it's interesting too. I just think Gerson Rosas has an interesting. They're going to have interesting decisions to make because he's you know he's been on record saying they want to make trades, they want to match up timelines. Uh, with you know, with with Towns and Russell in particular, but they've also been pretty steadfast in this idea that they're not going to take any shortcuts. So, where what's a shortcut and what's a long term play, and, and how does that kind of how does that kind of all fit into the long term plan? I think it's going to be. I think we have to evaluate any move they make in that context. Like, what's the term? What's the what's the length? Are you giving up young for veteran things like that? Right. And that's it. It's, it's, I guess it's a shortcut. It looks like are you giving up a younger, a younger player, are you giving up maybe valuable draft capital for, for somebody who maybe only improves your team marginally. You know what I mean? Like somebody that may get you into back end of the playoff contention, but maybe, you know, under undercuts your ability to become a, a, a big contender down the road uh, because you have to sacrifice some assets for it. that to me would be taking the quote unquote shortcut. Um, so, you know, like I said, I, it, it's a, it, I think it's a mixed bag when, when you look at it that way, that, that you're, you're not taking shortcuts, but at the same time, this team was, was bad two years ago. This team was bad this past season. Um, again, new ownership coming in, um, all that, you know, just how much patience is there for a long-term project? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not sure what the answer to that is. Yep, I agree with that. I agree with that. And uh, I would like to be on record, too, saying Jimmy Butler was not a shortcut. The shortcuts they made there were 
Jeff Teague for three years at 19 million, Taj Gibson, some of the other kind of overpriced Gorgie's contract. Gor- yeah, Gorgie's contract was, I don't think that was a, that was, I don't think that was a, maybe that was a Thibs move. I, I maybe, yeah, yeah, he, he did do that. Then he gave Gibson two for 28 right after he gave Gorgie you know, yeah. four for 64. Um, now Butler could have been a long-term solution here. The problem was the rest of the roster building and, you know, and frankly, some of the other guys they did had in here at that point, including Wiggins, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they, how they fit that all together. And if they're able to make a move for someone like a John Collins, who is kind of on that timeline and on that salary and what it takes to, you know, get him at that point and what the, what the so, price is both, uh, both financially yeah. and otherwise. And that's still going to, that's still a tough, that's still going to, that would, that move pretty in particular would still be tough because Atlanta still can match any offer because yeah. he's restricted free agent. So important to keep that in mind too. Well, we'll see how it all unfolds. Uh, not every move happened tonight, although I think there was over 50 of them that happened Monday night. Mm-hmm. I think I saw that was the latest count. None of them, uh, the wolves, but, uh, there's still plenty of time. They're probably going to operate. You, know, you probably in free agency, it's probably best not to operate too often in the middle. That's probably where the worst deals are, not the best ones. So we'll give them a little bit of slack there and see where things go uh, beyond this. Chris Hine, good stuff. We'll catch you again. All right. Sounds good, Mike. Okay, so Chris and I talked a little bit of Ben Simmons along the way there, but that feels far-fetched, although I do have to bring up right now um, ESPN.com, and of course, you know, they've got got pages to fill, they've got space to fill as well, but under an insider piece titled, you know, Ben Simmons Trades, we'd like to see, one of them does include Minnesota. It says Minnesota creates a big three of number one picks. The deal is Ben Simmons and George Hill Go to the Timberwolves, 76ers get D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and two first-round picks with some protection on them. If they conveyed on time, it would be protected 2022 and 2024 picks. That's a lot. Got to say, though, I'd do it. If you think you're going to be good with Ben Simmons, those first-round picks are probably in the late teens at least, hopefully in the 20s because you've created a, a core that you think can compete. The salaries match up. Ben Simmons is expensive, but you know what? A core of Ben Simmons and Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, that gives you a real shot. I think it helps Philadelphia in a way, gives them some ammunition to maybe go make some other trades, gives them a score in um, in D'Angelo Russell, and gives them another guy who can shoot the three in Malik Beasley. I think it's a fair trade. I think it kind of as they say here, checks all the boxes for what Daryl Morey might hope to accomplish in this deal. Um, and if he's, you know, if he's not serious, if he's really trying to get more picks or more for that, that that's about the extent of my fair value for uh, for Ben Simmons, a guy who's, you know, a distressed asset to a certain degree. Um, but none of those other guys, the Wolves are shipping out, are perfect players. And you would hope that uh, the number one picks uh, would not convey very high if you believe what you are getting back is good players who are going to help your team win long term. Let's finish with the cooler. Twins open up a series in Cincinnati, had an off day Monday. We'll see if that is enough time for Josh Donaldson to heal from his hamstring injury. He's missed four games in a row now. 
Reporting from Phil Miller, uh, the Saturday game against St. Louis was interesting. Said he appeared healthy before the game, took his turn in batting practice, batting practice, and even fielded a handful of ground balls. But his hamstring must still be bothering him. Uh, Phil Miller wrote, um, maybe he's getting an extra day off because of um, you know they had this off day on Monday. But uh, it's four games in a row that he has missed. Hasn't played since Wednesday. That was uh, the day that trade rumors kind of intensified that maybe he was going to Milwaukee. Um, missed Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Friday was the trade deadline. Not to, not trying to jump to too many conclusions here, not trying to insinuate anything, but the timing of the injury has coincided with the trade deadline. Would like to see Josh Donaldson back on the field. Hopefully the hamstring is feeling better and he can get back in the lineup for the Twins. Not that it matters a whole lot on the field, but he is a player making a lot of money. You'd love to see him back on the field. Bigger question, who's going to pitch for the Twins down the stretch? That will be interesting to see, too, as this time goes on. they got to finish the year somehow. they got a lot of prospects. Are those guys going to get a look? I'd rather see that than, uh, than the recycled veterans that they might trot out there as well. That'll do it for today. Thanks so much for joining Daily Delivery. Be back at it Wednesday. And remember, Thursday and Friday, intern Christina Long takes over the show. All sorts of good stuff she's got planned for you guys as well. Thanks for listening, downloading this podcast, always writing reviews. Appreciate that. Read Star Tribune, startribune.com. We'll catch you again on Wednesday.